you know, I'm not trying to uh, say it on your behalf, uh, Lars, but you hate drifters. Full disclosure at the beginning, drifting is one of the few I've not had a chance to actively partake in. I find drifting to be like the, the, the figure skating of motorsport. It's literally the only one I can think of. And, and you tell me if I'm, if I'm okay. wrong on this, that doesn't really care about performance. It's entirely about style. What if we don't go point A to point B the fastest? We just look cool. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of it being just about style, I think there's obviously performance elements to drifting. I, I think there's a ton of performance that goes into drifting. But it's to just honest. to make them look cooler. No, 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 no. No, those guys are going for specific numbers and they matter. Welcome back to the Martini Works podcast. We have a guest today, which is really, really exciting. It's me. Season one, episode 55 by now, it feels like. Who are you? I am Lars. And what do you do here, Lars? I need to hold us closer. Use like your right podcast there. voice. Yeah, yeah. podcast voice. Got it. <laughs> we got Lars here. If you guys don't know who Lars, Larsy Poo is, Lars is like our version of the Stig. Um, he drives a lot, both in real world and uh, figuratively imagination land, also known what as sim racing. Oh, okay. I was like, what the fuck are you And doing? of course, that means that we have him on the on the, the old podcast, the old potty, to talk a little bit about his racing experience and how he hates drifting. What'd you do with Gels? Yeah, where is Gels? What'd you do with what him? What did I do with him? Yeah. I sent him to Utah. I haven't, I haven't heard him <laughs> from him. I haven't seen him. He's actually just migrated. He's, he's he went just... on the Oregon Trail and he's not coming okay. back. He likes drifting, so we got rid of him. Yeah. By the way, oh. if you guys <laughs> if you guys haven't yet, be sure to subscribe. And if you're listening to this on Apple Music or Spotify or anything like that, just be sure to rate it a five star. It means the whole world. And a huge thank you to Andrew P. He actually got us our first. We had our first wheel tire and suspension sale let's go all at uh, once all at once on martiniworks.com we worked with him through the little chat bot that we have kind of answered some questions got everything figured out so if you're looking for something for your car and you don't see it on the website just shoot us a message and if you are looking to mod your car mod your car at martiniworks there you go hell yeah appreciate the support let's jump into it so since we have a new guest i feel like we got to start the conversation off with lars What's the, what's your history? Tell what do you drive? Little, oh. what's a, what's a, tell us a little. Tell us what you drive, and then tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you come from? What'd you do? Sure. Yeah. So I drive uh, a 2020 BMW M2 Competition. Nice. Had that for Solid. a while now. I love that car. I've beat the hell out of it every chance I get. Um, ever since I bought it, really, and it just it just keeps going. So I, I absolutely love that car. Um, and then just a couple weeks ago, actually, I picked up an E46 M3, which was my childhood dream car. Um, do your thing. Whoop. What do you think? What? what yep. Yeah, that one. <laughs> oh, sure. okay. yep. It took when me a second rock to get down, rock, okay, okay. King Drive. Looking down. Isn't that most I wanted I soundtrack? The, I don't remember the I was trying to think, think of the so. Nine Thou song where it's like, I don't know. The most wanted soundtrack was a lot more rock. There was a lot of rock in there. Yeah, 2005. It was like Avenged Sevenfold and stuff. That's what stuck out to me. Disturbed, yeah. And yeah, I can't remember the song you're. I'm trying. See, they all kind of sound the same, and I don't know enough about the song to sing it to you, so it's just a mumble rap. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Back to the story. Well, new to you, M3. New to me, M3. Um, that one's a little more, you know, uh, aged, I will say. So it's been fun to, to drive them back to back and kind of experience the difference. But Like a fine wine. Like a rusty old wine. It's rusty? It's not that rusty. It's a little rusty. It's 20 years old. <sighs> Where's the rust? Just just a little spot on the fender. Oh, oh but it's fine. Not, uh, It'll be a track car when anyway. There's some, there's more. <laughs> Story of my life, bro. <laughs> no. 
Um, but anyway, that car is my dream car because I grew up in Germany originally, and on the Autobahn, uh, one of those just like zoomed by us, made a bunch of noise. It was driving. Well, there's no speed limit there, so it was per perfectly legal, actually. <laughs> uh, but he's driving very quickly, and I thought, you know, my little kid, mine, five, six years old, I was like, that's the fastest car in the world, Yeah. period. Right. And that's what started my whole love of BMWs. So I've owned seven BMWs now. Wow. Um, just down to the two Ms now. That's and, a wild yeah. story. That's insane, man. I, I mean, can't say I've ever been on the Autobahn, but I've driven on some roads here like I have been. Like <laughs> Beaver Tucky? Not if the police were wondering, though. I did not do that. So you've, you've owned, a, you've had a, you have the M2 Comp, you've got the M3, you had a 335. I had a 335. And then you also had a, a baby blue BMW, Wait. right? Uh, yeah, I had a 330, so the, the E90 330, the one with the, the N52, the non-turbo version, and then... That was supposed to be the reliable car. And then when that broke, I was like, screw that. I'm buying an yeah. unreliable if car. If your parents ever tell you that you should stop playing video games because the people on the internet aren't real and they're not real people, that's false because Lars and I became best friends oh. through video games, through a car club, where we just talked shit on League of Legends. And then I was like, maybe we could talk shit to each other in real life. And then Lars just kept coming up every single weekend to hang out. And now we're here. Pretty much. Like eight years later. Beautiful. Nine years later? Nine, almost, yeah. Yeah, nine, nine years later. Brings yeah. a tear to my eye. That, yeah, that so beautiful. let's ask the real hard <laughs> so questions here. Cool. The real hard questions. Do you think you only owning BMWs, like, puts the blinders on in terms of... Yeah, like, why haven't you got like, why haven't, else? Why haven't you tried owning a clapped S2000 or a <laughs> Nissan, you know what I'm saying? So... He hates it, them. It's it's a it's it's a good question, right? And and honestly, a lot of it is just the the, the passion of BMW growing up in Bavaria, you know, as a kid and stuff. Mm -hmm. the, there's a lot of I, I don't want, brand loyalty has a bad rep to it, but I think there's a little bit of brand loyalty in terms of there's so many BMWs to experience right now. So the reason I went sure. old school, right, in E46, was because I've had an E36 M3, <clears throat> loved it, sold it a day after I got it running, but loved it. That um, yeah. Did you not hear that story? Well, how much could you love it if you? Sold it the day after you got it running. <laughs> <laughs> I, bought, I, bought, I bought the car actually clapped. Like that, that one was really bad. It was, it was rusty. It was not running properly. It was overheating a lot and stuff. But, you know, that's just how those cars go. And then I was going through some stuff, <laughs> a lot of personal stuff going on. So I fixed it to sell it. But gotcha. driving around the block that one time, I was like, I will own another one. Those cars are amazing. Kind of reminds me of the old Z. Man, I'm just going through a roller coaster of emotions right now. It's just... Sad story, happy story, <laughs> sad story, happy story. But yeah, I, I agree with Alex. I think there is a point of brand loyalty and you buy something because you know it's going to be good. But how can you know how good it is if you haven't been on the other flip side of it? Do you have any plans of picking up something besides a BMW? Yeah, I mean, there's the obvious Porsche. I, I oh, want to get into Porsche. More German. More yeah, German. I mean, he doesn't really want to expand <laughs> outside of the border. France is scary. The Italians, everything's too warm over there. Nothing East really makes a whole lot of sense. I, it, yeah, to me, the German cars just make a lot of sense, I guess. And, and to be fair, a lot of my friend group owns other types of cars. So I've driven a lot of American cars. I've driven a ton of JDM cars now. Mm. And they all have their own flavor. I to totally get it. Yeah. But for me... Something that I can drive every day, something I can beat up on a track, something I can road trip to Tennessee and then beat up down there also and drive it back. Like they just make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, so. you do a lot of track driving. How many times have you taken the M2 to Road America now? The M2's been, I stopped counting at 40, um, <laughs> but over, over three years, it's been to 40 track events. Holy cow. That's not counting drag racing or autocross or road trips or, or any rallies or anything like that. I've just track days. Mm -hmm. How has the car held up to that? Literally zero issues. 
um, zero mechanical faults in any of that time. And all I've done is oil changes. Really, the only issues that you've had is when you have gone and modified it. Yeah. Like when you've put things on it and yep. then sometimes they come off and you're like, well, yeah. I'm just not going to put them back on because it was better when I didn't have to. Oh, wait, what <laughs> happened with yeah. that? What was that story? I, I, well, the, the car went to SEMA last year with, with the Adro, the full yep. carbon kit. It looks and sick. The, the front, the front carbon intake pieces, uh, just are like two sided taped on yeah. and they always had like issues staying on, but I just, uh. whatever, just stuck them back on. Well, at a show I went to, uh, utterly Euro in Nina over here mm-hmm. on the way home from that one just finally fell off and I ran it over. So I had to order new ones oh. and I just never put them back on because again, I drive the car too much. I don't want another one to fall off. Yeah. So at the shows, I'll put them back on. But gotcha. it kind of the, the whole conversation though, about the fact that you, you went back and you bought an M3, right? You bought an E46 M3 because you, you like it. And then Dakota and I went and we dropped off that HKS exhaust. We didn't drop it off in a new fancy car. We didn't drop it off in the Jeep. We decided to go, you know, haul the homies in the 1996 Nissan Gloria because we just like driving that. You've got the 20th anniversary. Fuck no. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You've got the old Volks. You got the old Volkswagen though that like you really like enjoying. Like, why does it seem even when we could go newer and newer and newer? That when we want to get into a car, sometimes we like the older stuff, the more analog experience. Yeah, like I, I thought this was interesting to talk about because we've recently picked up a lot of new cars between them two, the Z, the Supra. But I keep gravitating towards these older cars. Now, you you just picked up the M3. Yeah. What is it? Why? Like these new cars have all the tech, all the horsepower, everything, but somehow we keep kind of, is it straight up nostalgia? Is that it? Is it just nostalgic or is it like actually better for some things? I just don't think it, like for me personally, I think the way that I, I lean back on some of the older stuff is when you get into building your cars, a lot of times I feel like there's, there's two main ways you go about it. At least for me, it was like, I either will want to build something fast as hell, or I want to build something that is really like unique and different and isn't something somebody else is doing. And then you start doing, you, you start accomplishing those two-ish tasks, right? You get a fast car, you build a fast car, you build something that's a little unique and a little different. And then like the, the, the mental checklist kind of starts getting checked off where all of a sudden now it's like, well, I don't want something that's insanely fast and I don't really need something that's extremely unique. Maybe I just want to do something for me. And then you, yeah, yeah you lean yeah. back on the cars that maybe influenced you when you were 14, 15, 16. My first car was a 19, 1989 Mercedes-Benz 300 SEL, like baby blue, had a dark blue interior. And ever since I had that car, I've loved Mercedes because it was your first car. It doesn't matter if it's a piece of shit or if it's a $30,000, you love your some, first car. Some type of connection to yeah, it. You yeah. Do, because of like the freedom it represents. It's yeah, like it's you being, memory. yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so now I look back and we were at lunch today and I was like, Dakota, what do you think about this? And I showed him a 1972 280 SEL. I was like, should we get it? And then I remember we don't have any space in our garage. <laughs> I think for me, like what obviously the, the E46 was definitely a childhood, you know, dream come true and all that. And, and they've gotten less attainable over the years, but they are still fairly attainable. But mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, I, I think as people grow up, there's there's one of two things. There's nostalgia, like like we're talking about. That's pretty common. But the other one is when you have a car you daily, you have a car you enjoy, maybe you have a show car already. It's nice to get something different. And when you buy a second car, it's really more, a lot more about value. You know, that car doesn't have to run every day. Like you can play with it. It can have some downtime. So what can you get that's, that's fun to play with, that's affordable, and it's not going to be, you know, a pain in the ass to work on all the time. And the M3s, like for me, 
they, they fit all that build, right? And it's going to appreciate in time. So, yeah. What do you think is, I guess, Dakota, what do you think is like, let's say you take it back to a nostalgic kick. Mm-hmm. Is there a car, a brand, an era that's, that people should gravitate to? That, that's tough. That's for each individual person. And I think after I thought about this a little bit, and the reason I've been liking Volkswagen so much after owning the first car I seen that like changed everything for me was a lowered 20th anniversary black Mark IV GTI. It was like the first stance car I seen in person. And I never seen a car lowered with wheels that are like lined up perfectly with the fenders. And so I never saw that before. And when I saw it, it like triggers. I was like, that looks insane. I absolutely love that. I think that's so cool. And then ever since that day, I've just always loved Mark IVs and I guess Volkswagens at that point. So I've really, um, like I started doing this build series on the Jetta and working on it and I've had so much fun. It's almost like reignited my passion for cars. So I, that's why I want to talk a little bit about that. Cause I couldn't believe how much I was enjoying this Jetta I've had for over a year now. And I just use it for daily driving. And I never did anything. And now it's like, I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I'm ordering parts. And I'm putting parts on it like every single day and I'm cleaning it up and making it nice. And I was like, that's so weird. I have a fucking 2020 Toyota Supra here. Yeah. And here I am spending hours and hours and hours on this fucking Jetta I picked up for three grand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then too, like you said, the conversation with the Gloria while we were driving, we're like, out of all the cars you own, which one do you think is your favorite? And you said the Gloria. And yeah. I, I agreed with you. There's something charming about it. And I think that's it there's a charm to these older cars that the newer cars can't replicate um and even though it's more analog and it doesn't have every feature and it's definitely not as quick right it's a different driving experience yeah it's it's weird how i think charm is a really good way to put it but there's cars that just speak to you in in a little bit of an interesting way i think they almost align with your personality a little bit or they're like a piece of like an escape almost from the rat race of building cars or of driving cars because we're in the content creation space, right? So we're trying to constantly create content around cars. So it's always, hey, what can we do? What can we do? Let's not do the same thing 9 million other people have done. Let's try to do something different. So you're trying to bring something new to the fold. And it's this pressure of commitment with builds that I think sometimes takes your passion and like almost pivots it you know a little bit and then you get a a jetta or a gti or you get an e46 or you get a glory and you're like wait a minute i just really like this car for what it is and what it does and and i think what you find in a lot of content creators is they they naturally gravitate towards those older cars because there's a lot of pressure to to work and show content on new things because that's cool it's like the hype thing to do but then you always you see a lot of them have side projects which is what they're really passionate about right Right. so Mm -hmm. like I think that's that's what the glory, even the S two thousand, you know, sh- can be because you, you got you have the Ferrari, which is obviously the, the cool one that, that gets all the attention, but it's really hard to spend a lot of time in that car for one reason or another, right? Like yeah. you, like driving it is is fun, super fun, obviously, right? But you can't drive it that much, or, or something might happen to it, and it's expensive and and all this stuff. So yeah, S two thousand, on the other hand, every time we've any of us have driven that, we beat the hell out of it. Yeah, and it's the point. It's like it's fun, and if something happens, like that's just part of the fun. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's different cars for, you know, I guess different purposes. I think if I could go back and tell anybody that's maybe trying to find a car that uh, that you want to use to fall back in love with the, the car scene or maybe the modification community, I would say find something that has or had a ton of support at one time and maybe doesn't have as much of that like front end presence as it used to. 
for me personally, I don't see a huge massive audience around Volkswagens anymore. I just, I don't. Like when I go on TikTok, for instance, the cars that I see are FRS, BRZ, Miata, S2000. Um, Ferrari F430. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. No, so I hear these, you. I agree. Are, but when, when I was 16 or 17, I couldn't go anywhere on Facebook without seeing Volkswagen, 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 like Volkswagen, of, Volkswagen. Yeah. yeah, the Volkswagen Audi group was like huge, the, the biggest. It was everything. It was, I, it was. They all, really took over like the car show scene yeah. too. Euros. Volkswagen Vortex and like those those channels and like Audi Zine and you know those were like those were the heavy hitters. You like that's what Rotoform wouldn't be Rotoform without Volkswagen. Yeah, without VW Vortex and all those those <laughs> forums because that's where they sold all their wheels. That's the only place you could sell them at the time. So, and I think that the good news there is that if you want to jump into those old markets, a lot of those people are still around. A lot of oh, those yeah. diehard people who made content back in the day still have their cars and they're happy to share that because yeah. it reminds them of, of the fun they had back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Brian Scoto is probably one of my favorite people to to watch on Instagram. Cause he's got like a smaller ish, not a small following. He's got a big following, but like the content he posts is very inconsistent. He just posts when he want to just random stuff, but there's always a fucking Volkswagen in his story posts. Like mm-hmm. he could be like nice day in Cali. And then in the corner <laughs> there's a Volkswagen. is a Harlequin over there. Just That's hiding. Because, yeah, dude, The Volkswagen <laughs> community, there's something else. You see everything in the spectrum of, a car enthusiast too. You see the people that are literally going to Home Depot and self-tapping gutters onto their side skirts. And then you see the people that have literally taken everything out of their car by hand and replaced every single nut and bolt and built a car for 20 years in their garage. And it's just like a a Mark IV, you know, or a Mark III or something like that. Like it's such a wide spectrum. It's really interesting. But to take it back a little bit to the like us talking about owning these older cars and enjoying them, what I would say is I think it's really easy as a car enthusiast, especially someone that watches content and consumes content in the automotive space to always want that next best thing. But as I've kept getting bigger, more expensive cars, as I've gotten older, I've learned to just appreciate the ones that I did have. So don't worry about the next car. It'll hundred percent come yeah. really enjoy what you have and take time to enjoy that platform and learn about it. Yeah. Cause I guarantee the moment you sell it, you're going to fucking miss it. That's and you're going to th- want another one again one day. That's the one know. thing for me at least is like, I'm always trying to think of the next thing. So it's hard for me to appreciate like what's going on in the moment with the cars that we have and things like that. And I found a lot of, uh, maybe like grace in setting, like setting goals for yourself mm-hmm. to then go and start looking for that thing. So I talked about it before. It's like, I want to hit 500,000 subscribers and then I want to go find my 911, like a 993, a 964, preferably a 993. Cause that's like, for me, that is, that's a keeper car. That's a car that'll never leave the, the, the garage, so to speak. But it's like, if I think about that now, it's so unfair to all the cool stuff that this car can be, all the cool experiences, the glory can be, or the Z can be. And you know, it's like, you just want more, 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 more. And I think that's unhealthy but that's just how I'm built sometimes. So I have to like set these little walls in front of me to be like, no, don't, not yet, later. Think about it later. So helps a little bit at least. I, but I totally agree. That, that same sentiment is what, what's, again, the M3 helps with that because I, I daily drive the M2 through Wisconsin winters for the last three mm-hmm. years now, like the whole time, you know, to the track and back, the whole thing. So I, I've definitely gotten a little complacent with what that car is. Right. But what it represents is, is a really big deal to me still. And it's nice to to relearn to appreciate that car for what it is. So yeah. I think the old cars also help with that because while I love driving both, you know, getting out of the M3 back into the M2, 
It's so nice. It's so <laughs> I was gonna nice. ask. I was curious how they compared. Like, is there some similarities, or do they feel just completely different? Yeah, not to not to be like full, you know, BMW M nerd about it, right? But like, M's have a certain feel to them where you can drive them slow, and and they're just you know relatively normal. And then mm-hmm. you you get into them, you drop a gear, you know, you really get up there in RPMs, and they they like wake up. Yeah. So in that way, they're very very similar. But you know, in every in every other way, like it's a little cramped. You know, it's, it's, it's obviously significantly slower, you know, it's no, there's no turbos in there and stuff like right. that. Um, the sound system is just better in the M2. Obviously it's quieter generally. Well, until my exhaust opens up. Yeah. So they, they're, they're similar in driving style, but the actual execution of it is, is shockingly different. And, wow. and, and the more I, I told Alex this yesterday, I, I need to go find a place, uh, hopefully it's track day in a couple of weeks where I can go really beat on the M3 to really learn it more because it is, it is hard to actually get into it around town without, you know, being illegal, very right, illegal. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, with that being said, I do want to say a very special thanks to our very first official tire partner cool. for the Martini very Works exciting. podcast, Continental Tire. So Continental Tire, if you guys and gals don't know, they've been absolute fantastic partners to us over the years. Uh, Josh Peeler, I'm going to continue to shout him out until the cows come home, but Continental Tire is a fantastic oh. option for you guys if you're looking for a tire for pretty much any type of purpose or use. So whether you need a performance something, uh, a performance tire like the Extreme Contact 02, whether you need something that's a little bit more on the street and maybe a little bit of track use, you got the DWS 06 Plus. When it's the winter time, right? You've got the what's the Viking, Viking Contact Sevens, baby. Viking Contact Sevens that Dakota is gonna die over. He's also Dude, got I arm love still those. tattooed. That's <laughs> I, a little bit of a I weird love one. Those. Lars, you're gonna be trying the Extreme yeah. Contact Sport yep. 02s, right? Yep, we're putting Extreme Contact 02s on the M2 for a track day in a couple weeks, actually. Yeah, awesome. So we'll really get to beat them up there. Yeah, I really want to hear your feedback on them because I've really enjoyed them, but I haven't been to Road America 50 times, so <laughs> I feel like Lars might have more input than what I do. No, so it does mean a lot to have Continental on board because yeah. if as you guys and gals no for us to really get behind the wheel and use the cars for their intended purpose to give you unbiased feedback on wheels on tires on suspension on performance parts we need partners to do that we need places like us air mike thank you so much for that we need to be able to go to places like road america but to get the cars moving we need tires and you go through tires quickly when you are trying to test every other part of a car so we're super appreciative for continental being on board so thank you for being the official tire partner of the martini works podcast with that being said let's take a break and when we come back we're going to talk about a couple more bits and pieces about cars speaking of cars when we get into motorsport there is what i would call like a proverbial playground with clicks on the playground 100 percent. there are you've got you got like the car show people that are drawing within the lines with their crayons just having a good time they could argue about them being they're, the they're lines, trying their they're trying their best you know some of them are using chalk they don't want to use paper some of them use the the what's the non-crayola brand crayons yeah 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 i know like rep saying. crayons yeah, you know rep what I'm rose art yeah <laughs> either way they're eating them when they're done yeah <laughs> Then you've got then you've got the autocross folks out there in the world that found the one hill in the back next to the football field and they're just running up pushing everybody off of the hill then rolling down the hill as fast as they can. <laughs> but the hill is owned by one of the 20 people trying to climb it. Yeah. Then you've got the track people and the track people are like the sophisticated folks talking about, you know, how many carbs they ate during lunch practice. They're like and the study groups, like yeah. the people that would host study groups. Yeah, they're sitting in the shade doing their homework, trying to get ahead of it so yeah. that they don't have to. They're definitely uh-huh. the nerds of the group. Yeah, uh-huh. and then you've got the drifters. 
the ones that probably are putting the gum underneath it's like, like the, the handlebars. Kids. Yeah, they got the like the gum underneath yeah. the handlebars. They're putting it there for like Rosie to grab and then eh, and then fall, you know, and they make fun of her. In real life, there's a little bit of that in, oh, yeah. in the in the in the realm of it. And you know, I'm not trying to uh, say it on your behalf, uh, Lars, but you hate drifters. I, <laughs> I'm just Whoa. kidding. Hate <laughs> is a big word. I'm kidding. I'm I, kidding. I, I will However, say I have some strong opinions yeah, about say, drifting, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a second here. Yeah, I do want to hear it. I'm I'm curious because obviously big into track in your car, so I thought there'd be some sort of appreciation, mutual understanding, respect. But drifting, Lars, what's your thoughts on drifting? <laughs> the raw the, feels give me them the it's interesting right because obviously I, i've done a lot of motorsports and, and i will say right full disclosure at the beginning drifting is one of the few i've not had a chance to actively partake in okay so i've done i've done autocross drag racing a lot of rallies and so on uh, track days you know in in, in many numbers but sure. not drifting yet so but that being said i i find drifting to be like the the, the figure skating of motorsport and the reason I say that is because there's, it's the only one, it's literally the only one I can think of. And, and you tell me if I'm, if I'm okay. wrong on this, that doesn't really care about performance. It's entirely about style. And that to mm. me, like, like what, the moment the second car was built, they were racing those things immediately, right? And, and that's what motorsport is, to me at least. And, and drifting just like throws that on its head and it's like, no, what if, what if we slide them? What if we don't go point A to point B the fastest? We just look cool. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of it being uh, just about style, like I don't, I think there's obviously performance elements to drifting. I think there's a ton. Yeah. I think there's a ton of performance that goes into drifting. But it's to just honest. to make them look cooler. No, 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 no. No, those guys are going for specific numbers and they matter. And you like if you just go out there with a bone stock car compared to a modified car, it's gonna be ass compared to a, a modified. Like the modifications have purpose, not just like an angle cool. kit. But yeah, that that's fair. But you need that because when you're sliding at that speed, you that that makes yeah. sense. But yeah. like horsepower doesn't doesn't matter. You get to a certain point, whether you have eight hundred or twelve hundred, irrelevant. Uh, well, maybe at that point. But yeah. I would say from like the two hundred horsepower cars to the eight hundred and the different types of tracks you go on, a hundred percent matters. I think it's been a an, an interesting thing to to watch because I've had, I would I would argue, questionable experiences like on both sides of that spectrum, both on the track side and on the drift side. I remember one of the very first times I had actually met a, a BMW club guy at Road America. I was literally going up to him. I'm like, "Hey man, how's it going? I'm Alex Martinez. Nice to meet you." And he looks me dead in the eyes. He goes. You had an interesting driving line out there. That's Lars. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, I went to say hi. I'm not looking to have, like, yeah. no idea who this Be person critique. is. Yeah. No idea what sort of credentials this guy has. Never met the dude in my entire life. And it immediately put me off of that person, that club, that group. And I was like, all right, well, fuck that guy. I'm going to go on my, you know, merry way and do something else. Had a lot of other people at the track that were super nice, yeah. super helpful. At the drift day... My very first drift day, a lot of awesome, fantastic people. A lot of people that were like, hey, you know, if you need anything, let me know. Well, yeah, because they're just out there to look pretty. <laughs> but, at the, <laughs> but at the same time, there's also a very specific group of people that saw me there and were like, uh, like, why does he have to be here? Why did I don't, oh, we don't man. need, we don't need more attention on our sport for, for the, like, and I think, I think it was like a, a general, 
we don't you're you're not in this hierarchy of people so we don't want you here and i think that's that's kind of a big difference between the two two activities in my experience on a you show up to a track day and it's effectively a driving school right that's that's what they call it is that you're actually a student there and and you show up and you're absolutely you know in, in one way or another you're judged by your skill right and how how fast you go around the track and a lot of that's based on experience and driver mod and all that stuff but it's, it's a lot less about the car or, or what you're doing it's just like how are you doing it in drifting, there's this like huge barrier of entry where like I tried to sign up for a drifting event this year. And then I, I found out afterwards when I didn't make the sign up, did you have to like set a reminder to do it within an hour of them opening because they sell it like same day. And I was like, I just want to pay you guys money to go play. <laughs> like, I just want to go, go have fun with you guys. And then you get there and there's like all these rules and stuff involved. And none of them are about safety. It's all just about like, like respect and, and earning your place there. And it's like, I pay just as much money as you. Like I, I just want to go have fun. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a conversation that Lars and I had once a little bit about this where there is more of like a social hierarchy in at least our local grassroots drifting area, which is not a bad thing. It's not a great thing. It's just a thing. And sometimes that can be a little bit of a problem. I've had this conversation with people that live out in California and Texas and Florida, and they all kind of say the same thing, which is there is a social hierarchy because it's more of a community in drifting than it is if you were to go to road america like literally when you go into road america and you go to park your car in one of the grass aisles and there's 70 of those aisles and then you go slightly up the hill and there's 20 goddamn acres of asphalt that you can also park your car if you want to you're not ever running into anyone pretty much ever like you have right. to go out of your way to go find these people that are running at the same day as you whereas in drifting especially at like us air you're like this close to them Right. Yep. So you're like, hey, hey, dude. How's I don't it going? know. In my experience, like going and hanging out at the drift events, I wasn't drifting myself. So maybe that makes the difference. But I don't know. It seemed like everyone was just as welcoming as like when I autocrossed my car, went to the drag strip and was willing to teach, learn, offer a ride along, any mm -hmm. of that stuff. So in my experience, they are very equal. The, the, the ride-along piece, I think, is phenomenal. I think that's the coolest. I've done a bunch of ride-alongs with Alex and other yep. drifters. I rode around with, the, uh, what was his name? Corey? Uh, no. Um, Mike? Chelsea, Chelsea Genova oh. uh, at SEMA. Oh, yeah. What's his name? Uh, oh, yeah. What's his name? Uh, yeah. yeah the... Chelsea Genova. I rode with him or something. Yeah. Um, and, like, <laughs> had, a, had, an, had an amazing time. Like, the ride-alongs, I think, are awesome for the, for the sport as a whole. But I, I think that's a little different than, again, just my experience of trying to get into this activity. It's just difficult. Like, like people look is at it like funny. Is it socially difficult? Is that is that the hiccup that you I, have with it? I, I think so. I had the same experience with autocross for the record. Um, okay. and, and, and I'll give you the baseline of, of track days, which is why I became addicted to them. When you show up to a track day, and, and granted, it's a lot more expensive, right? But, mm -hmm. but once you once you have a car like that like and, and the money to be able to do it, you literally show up and you get an instructor. And it's a one-on-one -on -one deal the entire day. Like the, this, this man or woman is like on your side, in your car with you, they got your back and anything you need, you just go to them. Mm -hmm. And then when you're not on the track, when your instructor's out playing on, on the track on their time, you're in a, you're in a classroom. And, and I get that that's a lot for a lot of people, right? You don't, you don't want to spend that much time learning. You just want to go drive, but it, it creates this atmosphere of like, I, I always know what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. And, and it's all about safety and, and making sure that, you know, at those speeds, I'm not going to hurt myself, my instructor or the people around me. At, at autocross and drifting events, that does not exist. I have to be friends with somebody in order to even know where to go at what time and what to do and, and what I need on my car. What does tech inspection look like? None of those things are explained. Mm, that's, that's an interesting That's a take. good point. And I could see that. The, the only thing I would say to argue that, and it's not much of an argument, but like, because you're, you're right. When I've gone to autocross events and stuff like that, it's kind of like you have no idea what's going on or where to go or anything. Yeah. But 
people were so welcoming that like I literally had people that could tell I had no fucking clue what I was doing. And they're like, yo, come with me. We're going to go walk the track together. I'm going to explain what's going on. Um, and you like almost just make friends automatically just by being there because you have a common interest. So I'd say, yes, you, you do have a point. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. I've had such good experiences with the community and I was so nervous before I went. Um, maybe so that's why it seems a lot better. Maybe you were more comfortable because you had so many like track days and stuff that it seemed more regular. But when I, when I had my first autocross event, I was scared that I was going to have the same experience because for me, it was the other way. I remember I must've been like 17, 18 years old and the autocross, like, I guess group of people online were always kind of very like. Uh, prideful dude online yo, that was a nice way to yeah, put it out that was a very nice way of putting it the, i feel like the autocross guys online talk so much shit uh, yeah and and so i didn't like that part of that group and so i decided to go do one chippewa valley technical car club something like that i don't remember what it was um ctt c is like c v s t c c i mean it was an acronym bro <laughs> like you could acronyms. you could not put that shit on a windshield without taking up a fender and um i went out there with my b7a4 ran a couple laps and i was almost gonna have an experience like yours which was i didn't know who to talk to mm -hmm. I was out there staffing something that I didn't really understand. Nobody gave me a heads up, which yep, I think yep. is, I don't like the fact that you have to staff out. Events, but whatever. And Mike, I think it was Mike Levenick and his girlfriend and or wife at the time, they came up to me and they were one of the guys on the internet that sometimes is a little bit harsher on the corners. He's like, you want me to do a, a ride along with you? And I was like, I would absolutely love that. Yeah. And I did two ride alongs. Actually, uh, it was Mike's girlfriend and Mike's wife also gave me a bunch of tips during the auto. And it made my experience at the autocross event a million times better. Yep. If I would not have had that interaction with those mm -hmm. two people, I would probably be in a similar boat to you to say, I don't know if I really like the vibe of what autocross is. Yeah. Because there's no, there's no like, t there's no helper to get you to at least having a baseline of knowing what to right. do. It you show up and they're like, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to be fair, like, like what you're describing is, is probably more average experience. I, I think mine is, is a little, you know, twisted because, you know, I didn't have a bunch of friends in the area. You know, I, I, I had just met Alex, you know, a couple years mm -hmm. before that. I wasn't popular. You know, I didn't, I showed up in a, in a 20, a brand new M2 competition, right? So everybody already looked at me a little funny, you know, like, like daddy's money and all that stuff. Yeah. So I, I, I get that because I had at autocross, I had the same experience where uh, some, a friend of a friend had a, a 2016 M2. And they're like, yeah, just go say hi and see if you can ride along. So I like awkwardly stumbled my way over there and I was like, hi, I'm new here. Yeah. Right. And, and he was nice about it. He let me ride in there, gave me a couple tips and stuff, but really just showed me what a car is capable of. And it, and it was, I just figured it out from there. But sure. I, I don't know how that translates to drifting because the cars are going to be so different from another and, and they're, they're so built in some terms. And, you know, sliding it is such a different skill set from anything else. Yeah, I, I guess I guess we'll see how the experience goes because I'm still gonna try drifting. Like yeah. it hasn't scared me off. I'm glad that you're trying it, even though you you've yeah. been like more, you know, hesitant to go that realm with your car. I appreciate that you're willing to go give it a go because I, I think you'll find a new respect for it, just like anything else. Once you start getting it, it, and then f you figure out a way to almost be competitive with it, you know, sure. with yourself yeah. and getting better, and you know, linking turn one and two, and then. Yeah. I think that's where it'll really click for you more is when you can like start making targets and beating them for yourself. Cause I mean, that's what racing is too, right? Like yeah. you, you have a lap time that you're shooting for and you're trying to beat. So when you find those things, it's not necessarily a lap time, but there are ways to 
do more than just style, I would say, in drifting. I, I would add to that. In, in track racing, when you're going through a corner, there's a point where you get it almost perfect. And there's that feeling. You hit the braking zone right. You're going into the turn. The front passenger tire is just clipping right exactly where you want it to be. You cut through that corner, and you come out the other side. You're going 10 miles an hour faster. Your braking zone for the next corner has changed a million different ways because now you're going through the corner way faster than you thought. But there's a split second when you're on the track, and you look at it, and you're like, that felt beautiful. That felt perfect. In drifting, there is that feeling, too which is you, you, maybe you're clutch kicking or maybe you pull on the e-brake, you're getting around a corner, you get that initiation in, and you kick the ass out of the car out to go around a long sweeper and you got the speed, you got the car coming out, you got the smoke kind of you know, bellowing up and it just feels natural in the chaos of what it is. And, and I do really like that about drifting, which is in track, it's a very analytical experience sure you're feeling a lot of things it's like i can't remember who said it but he's like he, he was blessed with a really good ass it was like a formula one race oh, car what? driver what, what the fuck he was like he's like i'm a good driver but i've been blessed with a really good ass because you feel everything in a race car and that's how you can kind of move around whereas in drifting you feel a lot a lot of how you change your driving experience is how things feel as you're turning the steering wheel as you feel the rear end kick out and i think that's maybe why it's it's different for you and i've been really uh, appreciative of a lot of the people that have helped me. 99% of the people at the local U.S. Air Track, Corey Talaska, Mike, a lot of that gang have been super helpful with with getting me into it. And even people that have no idea who I am have been super helpful with it. But there is more of an element of just figure it out because they don't know how to technically explain what's going on. Corey Talaska was the only one so far out of everybody that I've met that have give, that's given me a technical reason to do something to drift a car. Sure. Yeah, and, and I get that, right? With with all these um, exercises and, and so on, a lot of it does come down to seat time. Like, that's what I preach to anybody asking me about track days, for that matter. Just, just go. Don't worry about building your car. Don't worry about having a specific car. Just sign up and go and be safe. Make sure your brakes are good. Make sure your tires are good. Make sure you're not leaking anything. But go drive. That's how you're going to learn more than anything. So I'm sure that's the same thing in drifting. You know, I just... I guess I wish there was like a little bit of a, like a rookie cheat code for, for doing this or like, like a, like a new guy day or something like that. And, and in my experience so far, that's just not a thing. Like it's the same, I don't know how many people show up to USA event, like 50, 60 drivers, maybe yeah. it's, it's a pretty small group. And, and like I said, getting, getting in on that is damn near impossible. Like, like again, it's been all year and I'm like waiting for a sign up to come through and it just hasn't i think it would be cool you know maybe this is if anybody's watching this that hosts or organizes a a drift event or maybe even an autocross thing is like build build a way for newbies rookies first timers to to pair up with somebody for the first half of the day at us air the first half of the day is literally just having everybody get their bearings with their car they shorten up the track they make it super simple and even at the beginning they call it out they're like raise your hand if you're a new driver and you know there's always eight or nine hands that pop up right and it's like pair those people up with somebody just for like the the first half of the day they don't have to go with them all the time but maybe somebody that signs up as a volunteer that maybe has a little bit a seat time maybe they can run the advanced course at, at us air can jump in and be like here, let me give you some tips. Let me give you some practice. I, I think that'd be amazing because, because like I said, it, it doesn't take much. It's just somebody, you know, a, a big bro to, ha- to hold your hand a little bit and say, you know, come here and do this because otherwise it gives the perception that they don't want new people. 
and, and again, maybe that's the, like the perception of bugs in me, but ultimately your sport will die if you don't get new people into it. You know, like, like formula drift is, is awesome and it's cool, but how many new drivers are really in there? Like we're talking, I feel like ever since I've been involved in talking about it, it's been the same handful of drivers, you know, yeah. like, like, I don't know how many rotate in and out and stuff. There's, there's not that many of them. So, you know, if you want people to get to that level and, and use the, the amateur level to, to grow to a competitive level, you know, give them, give them a chance first off. Yeah. Some, some more, some more technical background. I like, I think drifting is 100% a motorsport. The more time that I spend with it, the more exciting it is to, to see it evolve. I think just like, um, just like autocross though, there needs to be an easier way for people to understand the concept of the sport just like in its entirety. And I don't think there has been a good way of doing it outside of like random content creators, like making a YouTube video. Like the only reason I was able to jump out onto the track at US Air and actually spend a little bit of time understanding what I was doing is because I had a gosh darn sim rig upstairs. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I mm -hmm. sat on one of those open tracks and I put the car in first gear and I found myself a 220 horsepower Gloria comparison car out, out on a set of Corsa. And I, I learned how to just drop the clutch, put it in and just do a little donut. And then, yeah. okay, second gear, okay, do a little donut. And then, okay, try to do the little, you know, circle eight and figure that out. And then it was like, that was the only reason I could. Otherwise I would have been on the skid pad the whole day, my first track day, trying to figure out how to go in a circle. Yeah, and we, <laughs> and we could have a whole podcast about sim racing compared to real racing. Cause yeah. I've, 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 I've did it in reverse, right? I did real stuff first and now I'm doing sim racing with my own rig and everything. But you only learn so much. Like yeah, you need absolutely. to get out there. You need to go drive your car. Mm -hmm. So it, again, it, a little bit would go really far, I think. Yeah. I have one question, and it's bringing it back, because I heard you say something, you both agreed, and I was like, well, why? For autocross and having to, like, man the cones or whatever for part of it, why did both of you, you're like, I don't like having to do that. Have you have you done it? Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised you, you... You don't mind it? No, I thought it was part, like, to me, when I did it, it made it feel like, oh, like, this is a tight-knit community. You all help each other out. You take your turn. Somebody's got to man the cones. This is going to keep costs down because you're having the people that sign up to do it do it. And then it's kind of like, I don't know, you have each other's back. It made me feel more involved and a part of it. Um, so I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think of it bad. I didn't think of it good. It wasn't like, yeah, I was having a fucking blast. It was fun to me, like, watching the cars come ripping around and seeing yeah. how they were driving. Um, but I just, I didn't think of it either way. But then when you guys mentioned it, it seemed like you both were like, yeah, yeah, I don't like this. So I'll go first on this yeah. for, for two different reasons. Number yeah. one, I mean, it can, it could just be my experience. Sure, but sure, it de sure. it definitely wasn't a fucking tight-knit community when I was out there. <laughs> picking up cones it was hey you you're going out there you're gonna pick up cones on turn five we'll see you in an hour and it's like what and it's like yep go out there and it's like well that's how we keep costs low and I, I literally rented the same exact parking lot that they did for a car show so i knew how much it cost yeah and then i went to go check out the cars and how many cars there were and then how much it cost to run the cars okay. and i was like they don't need me out here. They could pay four people to do exactly what I'm doing right now. Yeah. So for me, I immediately went into just like, I don't, I don't mind doing it, but it's not because it's like a tight knit community. It came down to just for me being like, well, I just want to get out there and I just want to drive. If I'm sitting yeah. out here and there's somebody next to me, maybe teaching me a corner or teaching me something about it, maybe it'd be valuable. Sure. But I didn't see a whole lot. And if you're already paying a hundred bucks or if you're already paying 120 bucks, like, 50 bucks more and you got yourself a drift day the whole day. You know, I think it to me, it just came down to seat time and the experience. Maybe for some people, they're like, yeah, it is a tight-knit community. And but with drifting, there's volunteers out there on the track too. Yeah, but that's because they want to. It'd be different if they're like, hey, Alex, the tickets are actually going to be $110, but we need you to man the the staffing for half the day. 
And it's my, not half a day. But half. It, it so, is, in so, my experience, it was. Yeah, it was so half it's, a day. It's one, half a day, really? It's two, two thirds, it's two thirds of the day that you're volunteering typically because you have three stints. You got a novice, intermediate, and advanced. Yep. So if you're running in a in novice, you're manning intermediate and advanced or alternating between intermediate and advanced and then usually have a break in between. So you're, you're, you are helping for the same amount, if not more than driving. Hmm. I didn't experience that when I did it. So, so for me, again, it, could just be my experience. Right, yeah. and, and I'm sure a lot of this is different with different clubs. And there's yeah, people, there's yeah, people in the I'm, comments right now that are like, these guys must have the worst clubs. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm super appreciative of all the clubs in Wisconsin doing their own thing. Again, my last autocross event was like four years ago. That was the yeah. last time I ever did it. So my, I only did it for one season for, for, for these reasons, right? Again, it was, and arguably that my car is too big. I don't want to say too powerful because the internet will hate me, but it's for the little track. We were at the Road America go-kart track and you mm-hmm. know, I could never get traction. So it didn't really feel right anyway. Mm-hmm. But the big thing for me was, was similar to Alex, but it was, it came down to seat time. So the go-kart track uh, in the configuration we had at the time, a lap is not even a minute, right? Sure. You, you go up, do your loop and you're done. And uh, we got, we got three runs per stint and then we got two stints in a day. So that means I'm spending generously 10 minutes on the track. Right. And, and I think the event was 60 bucks or something like that. Yep. Um, at a, at a full track day at, you know, at road America, a world-class facility, I'm paying, depending on when you buy, and there's tricks to, to making this more affordable. Let's say on the high end, $500 for a day, right? Jesus. But you're getting, you're getting five, generally, again, generalizing across clubs, you're getting five 30-minute sessions on the track. And with a lot of them, if you're new, you get, a, you get an instructor with you all day long, and you can ride along with your instructor if, if they want you to. So, you know, you could spend, if, you're, if your car can handle, if you can handle, if you're, if you're safe, if you're staying hydrated and stuff, you could spend five hours, sorry, two and a half hours on the track at road America, you know, for, for again, more money, literally the, gunning it, the value. Yeah. <laughs> literally you're going 150 miles an hour. If you, if you got a powerful car and, and the value there is just so drastically different. And, and again, with the workers, you know, the, the cars are going a lot slower granted. Right. But like the safety isn't always there. You know, we, we, we had a, a friend of ours had, had, a, had an accident at an autocross event and he's fine. And the workers are fine and everything, but you know, I, I don't expose myself to that. I don't have any training or safety equipment. Sure. You know, nobody told me what to do. They just said, you're going to be moving cones on this corner. I'm like, when do I go on the track? There's cars constantly going out across. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Okay. So it sounds like a lot of this could be solved by literally just having that like big brother or some type of instructions well, at that's, the beginning that's, of the event. That's literally the whole thing. And not just the randomness. That's, that's the whole like. thing. That was the gr- the greatest part of US Air was when I'd walk up to, the, when I you know pull up to the start line. I'd look out the corner, you know, the, the guy that would wave the flag would be looking at me and I'd wave him down. He'd come over and I'd say, hey, I'm about to go out. I want you to stare my ass down. Tell me everything I could be doing wrong. I'll be right back, mm-hmm. you know? And I'd go out there and I'd do my thing and I'd come back and he'd be like, hey, so that corner, don't do that corner. The first corner, that fence right there, it mm-hmm. takes everybody when they try to drift it. So just skip that. If I didn't ask him that, I would have been probably in the fence because nobody else told me, hey, First corner on U.S. Air is a tricky one until you really understand your car. Don't try to drift it because once you slide over the bank, you're going right into the fence and it's right. 500 bucks and your car's all mangled and it sucks. Yeah. I think having having more of that available, easier to understand right at the beginning is super important. And track days do it best because track days have to because they're the most dangerous. Correct. I think to, to drifting an autocross's point, you're in a parking lot or you're, in, you're at a track, the only thing that you're potentially going to hurt really is, is yourself. You know, at, at an auto, yeah, in an autocross parking lot, 
you know, yeah, you're going quick. You definitely are, but you're, you're more than likely going to spin out. You're not going to flip a car at road America. You go around turn one at a buck 40 and all of a sudden your brakes fail. You could die. (laughs) Like that's the difference. And and all that is to say, right. I I don't want to, I don't want people to listen to this and say autocross sucks or or drifting sucks. That's really not the case, right? That's, that's That's exactly what Lars said. (laughs) That's the experience I had. Right. And again, I've tried it all and, and I find my vibe with, with, uh, track days, big track days. And I've been, I've been lucky enough to, to go to several tracks now, and it's always been the same experience for me where, where they're, they're just immaculate experiences. Now, autocross is always going to be the safer thing to do. I think it's a more entry-level thing to do, right? You should not go buy a $60,000 car and go, go straight to Road America. That's a terrible idea. But if, you know, whatever car you have today, you can 100% autocross. Anything. Your daily driver, your, your SUV, your truck. Yep. Go autocross. Which we've seen. By the way, shout out to Tom and the Central Wisconsin Sports Car Club, because Tom Hill, they those guys do run awesome events we did an autocross a winter autocross at road america with them definitely not a whole lot of like track time but the experience of doing an autocross without any sort of prepped surface where there was just ice and snow and (laughs) banks wild everywhere amazing experience that was awesome so as you guys hear sometimes the criticisms come it's not in the in the sense of saying like we don't like it it's just for me i have an opinion and a stance on you know where i would prefer to spend my time i would say though best value that you can get up here for what you do is still drifting. Really? Oh yeah. Dang. Value. Ours, his yeah. eyebrows went whoop. Yeah. Because, because for 150 bucks and a set of rear tires, you can go out and you can pretty much drive the whole day at US Air Intermediate without any sort of issue. You don't need a ton of horsepower. You don't need a good car. You really don't need a whole lot of anything. How many sessions did your tires last? Uh, my Nexon SU1s Two fifteen forty eighteens lasted forty five laps. How many sessions is that? How many days of? Well, that's. I mean, that's forty five. Essentially forty five minutes, because each yeah, but, but, each run was like forty. But how seconds. many days? How many times did you go drifting before you had to switch tires? Once. Value. How much are those tires? Yeah, cost? but they're yeah. like fucking two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's I think it's the difference between having to buy maybe pads and and tires. To be completely honest, I, Oil. I ran. Michelin Sport Cup 2s connects yeah, the, 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 the again again higher entry cost so it's not tax bracket. <laughs> they lasted uh, I think it was six or seven of the track and these are super soft tires for those of you guys that don't know what those are they're, they're incredibly sticky very fun and I did not really know what I was doing yet so I definitely chewed through them but they lasted six or seven track events and again that is at two and a half hours of track driving each yeah but how much is the goddamn track day Five hundred dollars. Yeah, not including not including brake pads, brake fluid, constant checks, and on the price fluid, of those tires. The ticket, the price of the Mission Pilot Sport Cup twos. Meanwhile, the drift boys are just grabbing anything that's black, circular, and looks Could like a tire. Drifted to the throw whole on year that. after three of those events. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not wrong. I, I, it's if you're talking value, right? An overall investment for amount of time spent on on an event. I think they are comparable. I think they're more comparable than you think. The difference is with drifting, you get in for cheap and then you replace for cheap, but you do it more often. With track days, you need to have a car that's you know safe, and that when you do fix something, like my, I just bought new rotors for for the M two. Fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah. See, that, that so hurts. yeah, I, I. But that's, in this sense, I think drifting's cheaper. But you know what's cheaper to fix? An E forty six M three. Yeah. Right. Sure. You want to know what's cheaper? Uh, cheaper to fix? Uh, Gloria. All right. Yeah. So in all in all senses, I think what it really comes down to is no matter what type of motorsport you're looking to enjoy, there's a ton of different ways you can go out there. I think just by listening to us, if you've listened, you've heard 
Lars have good and bad experiences in different types of motorsport. You've heard me have good and bad experiences in different types of motorsport, and you've had heard Dakota. I've just had good experiences. So. <laughs> That's because Dakota's just good old Wisconsin boy. Yeah. Uh-huh. But but they're but they're different, right? So just because you have one bad experience one time does not mean the entire situation is bad. We're gonna be taking a break. When we come back, we're gonna be talking about more car stuff. It would have been five years ago that I came to this barren wasteland known as Appleton, Wisconsin. Why do you call it barren waste? I think it had fantastic things that I never thought I would get to experience in a city because I came from Eau Claire. It had things like Panda Express, Qdoba, a mall that still had stores inside that stayed open. It was an incredible experience as I went to my first movie theater and realized that I could take the chair and I could kick it back. The popcorn was warm and the alcohol was cold. I didn't know you could get beer at a movie theater, and yet here I was experiencing the good life of Appleton, Wisconsin. This podcast sponsored by Appleton, Wisconsin. As we start the next podcast segment, I want us to think forward, if you will, half a decade, on where you think you're going to be in five years, maybe with your feet up at a nicer movie theater, maybe experiencing the new version of the Qdoba or the Panda Express. Chipotle? Where do you see yourself in five years? years i don't know honestly i don't know what i'm gonna do tomorrow see that's what gives me anxiety (laughs) (laughs) i'm worried for you yeah i i have no idea what literally the next 40 seconds is gonna sometimes i like to just check on dakota on like a sunday just to like make sure he's doing all right (laughs) did you have breakfast today uh did i no (laughs) i i generally don't unfortunately it's tough i don't i don't know and I know some things maybe I'd want in the next five years. Okay, well, let's maybe we can start there and we can work our way back. What's one thing you want in the next five years? I don't know. <laughs> great, <laughs> great talk. Very inspirational. Someone else started off. Lars, in five years, what is one thing you would a like car, to be doing or accomplishing? A location. So, so there's, there, there are two That's fundamental right. events that have shaped what I want my future to be in the next five to ten years. Here. One was meeting okay. me. No, mm. no, nah. no. I'm a pillar you, of this. You've helped shape start. what I don't want to be. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Um, so actually, one of them was with you. Uh, we went to the Ron Fellows track uh, in Pahrump, Nevada. There's some fun Pahrump. facts about Pahrump. You should Google them. I, I don't want to say, say them here. Pahrump? You, you know oh, what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Pahrump got some, should, got some business out there. You should, you should Google that. It's There's people that time. go to the Speedway that spend time in Pahrump doing other things, if you oh, know yeah. what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. uh, fuck they, they they bumping something oh. all right in prompt nevada <laughs> going is a is a wonderful facility that uh, i don't remember the name of but there's a track do you remember the name of the track what ron fellows no that was the that was a school. spring mountain spring mountain resort that's the name I gotcha. thank you thank you thank you uh spring mountain resort hosts the ron fellows corvette driving school and radical uh motorsports which if you if you don't know what radical is definitely look that up also beautiful cars um and we went there for a corvette driving school yeah. When we got there, we stayed in apartments on the track. And mm. apparently what we learned there was that you can buy these. They're like condos, basically, where you have a garage and then you just have like a living space above them. Mm-hmm. And what that taught me was that I want to live on a racetrack. That would be super That'd be sick. Cool. That's, That'd be that's super the first sick. one. I think it'd be baller. Just have Is like it expensive? Yes. Like, I'm assuming it's expensive. Yes. But like, if you can you live there full time? Because I know some of them I talked to. We were at a BMW driving school in California and... 
Those ones, it was crazy. I, like, it, it has to be for the mega crazy rich because their rules were so ridiculous. You couldn't spend the whole time there. You couldn't spend a whole day there. You couldn't sleep there. You could only do certain times and events. So, could you stay at your own place that you own? So so this one, the, as far as I know, the, the living accommodations are yours. Like, you buy that apartment or, mm-hmm. or condo. The, the track time is is somewhat restricted, but the what they told us was like 27 days out of the month. You can play around as oh much as Oh, my God. Yeah. So, wow. it, but no... As far as tax bracket goes, you're talking country club. Like mm. these are the same people who buy, you know, the whatever passes our golf courses, yeah, PGA style. So like we're not talking cheap. They I got they got the credit cheap. card that you get you don't get in the mail. You know, like yeah. you, they just send you a box and it's got yeah. a card and it's like, yeah. hey, what limit does this have? And it's like, mm, you just use it. I but, think that's still the mail. <laughs> but we're also damn it. We're also talking, you know, second, third house. We're talking fourth, fifth car here. So like. You know, it's definitely a certain tracks back, but that's, that's a fun goal that, that I have for myself because I just, I love the idea of, you know, leaving Wisconsin in late October, let's say, flying to Nevada, you know, and my taking a rental car to the track and then my Porsche is there waiting for me mm-hmm. or my Radical. Damn, and then cool. in, in <clears throat> all winter, you know, I just hang out in that area and, and yeah. you know, drive to California if I want to, whatever. I, I think that's a fun goal. And yeah, that's an insane goal. I love it. The other one is a cybersecurity conference I went to um, with the team from CrowdStrike and Amazon AWS. And um, we went to Indianapolis and we had a, a conference on the first day and then we stayed there uh, Saturday, Sunday while uh, GT World Challenge raced at the track. And the reason we had our, our event there was because the uh, one of the executives from AWS and the CEO of CrowdStrike are race drivers. And they, they operate, uh, well, they, they technically lease or rent uh they, they pay a race team to bring the cars to these events and then they drive them and that's just Damn. part of their that's just part of what they do Damn. so that one's a lot more expensive but that's like the 10-year goal is i want to be able to be an actual race car driver do endurance racing with my friends at you know events maybe all over the world if not all over the country did you know kelly moss road and race mm-hmm. will give you okay a team and everything you need to run an entire series, as long as you meet the credentials, you have your licensing and all that sort of stuff, for the low, low price. Okay. Very, very appropriate. You can and throw it on a number. firm, maybe a PayPal paying for, oh. for right around $720,000. dollars <laughs> Who are these people fucking doing this? People that it's have like money, money. It's, it's yeah. called gentleman racing because you know they're not they're not owners of comp- well they are owners of companies but the point is they buy their way into this and, yeah, and, sure. and some of them are very successful. The the two individuals that I'm talking about they're they're part of a pro am team and they've gone on to win Daytona. They they Man, won Spa wow. like. They, they, they've been very successful. So it's been fun to follow their journey after I got to meet them personally. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of times when people hear money in racing, they, there's immediately like a bad taste in your mouth about it. And it's like, is, is the come up story better when you don't have money? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Is professional track racing hidden behind many uh, paywalls? Yes, it, it 100% is. It's one of those sports where you cannot play professionally uh, without a serious amount of income, unless you're doing something like I would, I would also say though, overseas, I think there are a lot more affordable series that you can jump into that are easy to easier to do, you know. Um, but with that being said, yeah, it's a little bit of money to get into that. You Have can, you thought about your five year? Could yeah. win the Grand Turismo race, and, and Nissan will pay for you to race. That'd be kind of cool, but no. Do you think of that? I I don't know if I'm good enough for that. Those oh, sim rides oh. are crazy. All right, yeah. million bucks it is. That's what you want? No, uh, five years. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I, damn, Lars got it on lock. He's really thinking. I think uh, about this a lot. It's it's tough to say because in five years, 
I, the super would be paid off. Um, so I don't know if I would keep it or if I'd sell it before then and get into that next platform. I would absolutely love to hop into the G80 platform. I would have to get a used one, 100%. And that's still a big goal. Um, but I, I fell in love with those cars. So, like, if there was a way or if they brought the wagon to the United States. Oh, I want that car. Oh, so I know, cool. dude. I know. I so bad. I, I fucking love it. So, maybe something like that. Otherwise, I'm torn on the other side. And these are just car-related five-year goals because it's yeah. an automotive podcast. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah, we got life we, goals, too. Yeah, I was going to say, I probably want, like, a different house at that point and maybe a family. You know. Yeah. The, the, maybe yeah, a bologna yeah. and cheese sandwich. Can't raise yeah. the house. Because um, I got to eat in five years, too, you know. Uh, but I, I, I really want a Volkswagen Harlequin. I don't, and every day I don't buy one, they go up in value. So it's, it tears at me every morning when I wake up and I don't have one in my garage. When he gets his daily email of average price of Harlequin (laughs) from (laughs) bringatrailer.com. So yeah, I I don't know. Maybe in five years I'll, I'll be driving something different. I'll be curious to look at back at, um, but I hope I'm doing something still automotive, still making content. Uh, and I guess slinging parts with my buds. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the dream. Yeah. The, I think the, the most realistic thing for me in the next five years is Martini Works turns into a thing that we're doing full time. We're passionate about, we're helping people mod their cars and that is allowing us to do the things that we want to do. Cause like for me in five years, uh, just automotive focus. One of my biggest dreams is I want to win some sort of racing thing. I don't care what it is. I don't care how small it is. I don't care how big it is. I don't care what car I'm in. I don't care what class it is. I want to be able to experience a competition space of racing and being with the team and going through the process and grinding and learning and winning and or, or not even winning, but making it onto the podium, I think would be like a, a really cool achievement. The only time I've ever felt like that was like when I was back in karate mm-hmm. and I'd make it to, you know, you, you win your class, you win your division, and then you go and you proceed to grand competition the next night. And it's like mm-hmm. the butterflies you have, that that feeling of like, holy crap, I'm here, the lights, the whole, yeah. that feeling I... Uh, I'm addicted to for sure. Competition, I'm addicted to. So yeah. I think that's one thing I would really like to to do in in the next five years. And then in the next five years, I, I do want to achieve my dream of having a, a nine nine three or a nine six four. And I would really love for Becca to also have one. I, I've like double Becca, Porsche Becca, up. Becca double Porsche. Becca really Ooh. wants a an RWB of some kind. Whoa! I really want an, a narrow body Whoa. clean sample. And so slight nose. I think it'd be cool, like, Becca and I, you know, we have our family, you know, we're, we've got, you know, space for the cars, and, you know, we got a little one, and then I think it, I, every single time I imagine the house that I want in five to ten years, it's, you know, just nice and modern, nothing massive, nothing huge and, and you know, huge, equestrian. It's, it's very, it's, like, built into nature, and I open the door to the garage door, and I just imagine, you know, like an olive green 911 SC or 912 or something like that. And it's like, I imagine like this very calm and cooling future. And I, as silly as it sounds, I want that part of my life to be super peaceful so that I can go do things that are super competitive on the weekend. Yeah. I, I think, I think to maybe dial mine back into the more like that space, right? I think the, a, a more simpler one would be, you know, to have access to, you know, like, like the M3 is a track car at this point and I can go, if I'm not actually like competing somewhere yet, I can, I have the chance to do like SCCA and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I'm an instructor at this point, hopefully I'll have my race license, but then like on the weekends, like, like in summer in Wisconsin, like, I think the, the coolest thing, like one of the, one of those like fun memories, um, or, or things I want to achieve would be to have like 
a, a group of friends like like let's like and we all just like grab our like gt3 rs's or something like that and like go for a cruise you know like like and i say that because the come up stories already happened in the the eight nine years you know alex and i have known each other you know the cars have shifted dramatically and, and that's mm -hmm. been that's been really fun to be a, to be a part of you know life has changed a lot so and that's that's not been that long right so it's not totally unreasonable to say you know we, we hop in the next generation of cars and, and just drive to Elkhart Lake for our cars and coffee. Like, yeah. Like it, it, that's, you know, the peaceful version of, of that dream is, is, it's just, you know, nice. I love Elkhart Lakes, cars and coffee. Yeah. It's awesome. I think yeah. there's just it's a like, beautiful area. Yeah. I think there's just like a, a beautiful, I guess, vision of where it is. And maybe it's not five years, maybe it's 10 years, but like it is the, 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 the Saturday morning or like the Tuesday morning, you yeah. know, text, Hey, do you want to go grab coffee at some random, you know, local coffee shop? And being like, "Yeah, I don't have any meetings until two o'clock." And I was about to say, are "You guys plan on retiring in five no, years or what?" No, God, no, no. Going and getting coffee. But I think, but I think, like we, for, if you guys, if you guys are listening to this, like we, we, I, I, we work a shit ton, like a lot of hours to try and make this whole thing work. And so it's not a nine to five for us. It is wake up check emails, live, breathe, content, car stuff, figuring out what we need to do, answering a bajillion emails, getting a bajillion and five back in the same day, always feeling constantly behind, trying to balance out, you know, work-life balance, you know, having a family, having a, a wonderful lifestyle outside of that. And so it, it's not a calm lifestyle. It's definitely very chaotic, very fast. And as we've done it now, I've done it for 10 years. It's like the thought of, getting to that that point where maybe the Tuesdays aren't filled with 67 emails sure, right. is something that I, I, I look forward to one day. Um, I, I think it's like the idea of, you know, like, like cars are, are the escape. And right now cars are, the, are, are part of the job and they probably always will be, you know, in, in a good world that, that's fun. But like being able to get in a car and just like dropping your shoulders and taking a deep breath and just enjoying the ride, right? And, and I to totally agree with Alex. Like the, the, right now, the last couple of years, the current year, you know, next year are going to be insane, have been insane. So I think, I think that's why we're just looking forward to being able to just breathe and yeah. enjoying it. So yeah, choices, choices are always fun, but yeah. we love it. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't, if we didn't believe in it and we'll grind as, as much as we have to, to make it possible. Because at the end of the day, we started this because we believed, or, you know, we believed in the community and what we wanted to do. And it's been a really fun time. So it's, it's not without it's, it's really kick-ass rewards, which by the way, if you're still here, thank you so much for watching and listening in. Dakota, is there anything else you want to add to your five-year goal? Yeah. Also, oh, wait, wait, wait. Before what you do. Can we, can we buy I have the most. No, 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 no. I, I have the most. I was about to fucking spit. Yeah, 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 I'm sure you're about to spit some facts. <laughs> the biggest dream I have. I do. I seriously have another big dream and then I'm done. I promise. In the next five years, I really want a beard. Oh, <laughs> we got a, we got bad news for you. You better bud. start trying right now. <laughs> <laughs> You should stop shaving every day. My dad, every single time when I was like 18, I'd be like, Papa, when 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 am I supposed to get a beard? And be like, Mijo, I didn't have a beard until I was 23. Oh, wait. And, and, then, no, I, and then I became 23, and I was like, Papa, when am I going to actually have a beard? He's mijo. like, he'd be like, Mijo, when you're like 25. Mine, mine, came, in, mine came in at around 25. And so I turned 25. I was like, Papa, when am I getting this beard? And he's like, Mijo. I hate to tell you this, but if you don't get it by now, you're not going to get one. <laughs> Thank you, Papa. Thank you. That's, okay, go ahead. That's what you interrupted me <laughs> <Yeah>. for? <laughs>
One hundred percent. I was just gonna say some Great stupid story. shit because I, I I said dumber than that. In my, <laughs> yeah, five years I wanted a bologna and cheese sandwich, but in reality I could do that right now. So <laughs> congrats. I, I need I, I want to travel a bit, try some foods. I really like yeah. food. You know what I want for you, Dakota? Yeah, What's that? I I want I want you to be able to go to these events and meet people because I I see you light up whenever you like go to an event and like yeah. like the Gatlinburgs and stuff when when you get to like genuinely meet people and like shake their hand it, take pictures with them and stuff it is I cannot tell you how much of a surreal and I'm not just saying this obviously uh, how much of a surreal feeling it is to meet someone and they know who I am uh, because of like the automotive content and stuff we've made that is. To me, every single time, no matter how many people have done it, it doesn't make sense to me. It can't click in my brain. So it is like a supernatural moment of, yeah. holy fuck, this is crazy. So I do get really pumped. I get really excited uh, when I meet people, even if they think I'm jealous because that's close enough. <laughs> I just think it'd be cool to get, you, to get, to get the, the group out to you know national events more often. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's a different kind of paywall right now, right? Yeah. You're 100% right. Yeah. Getting to do like, because we look forward to Gatlinburg basically yeah. all year and that that's such a... F- Killer it's, show but for it's, us. it's so fun because we're all together. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like what SEMA can be for us is like mm-hmm. SEMA at the end of the day is just a trade show. It's quite boring yeah. after like the first day. But what makes it fun is you're there with all the homies, you know, yeah. and you're and you're you're in the marketplace. You're in the trade show. You're talking to the people. You're doing the thing. You got the energy. That's what makes it fun. Like when you're you, done talking business, you have a, have a couple of drinks. Yeah. You go house. grab a drink. You yeah. figure out where you're going for dinner. You got 17 text messages to figure out where you're going to go to dinner because yeah. everybody wants to go get drinks. That part's that part's the cool part. So yeah. with that being said. We appreciate you guys so much for for watching and listening in. Thank you, Lars. Yeah, thanks, Lars. Coming by. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Ho- hopefully, you see you again. And if you guys do see the name of Lars pop around over on MartiniWorks.com, this is the Lars. He's doing all the the technology stuff. Yeah, he's a smart dude. The ones and zeros, if you will. So that if you don't see something on the website <laughs> and you want it on the website, say, "Hey, Lars." What the fuck, dude? <laughs> Why don't you have this on the website, dude? <laughs> That's him. He's That's what we usually say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for watching. See you later. Bye. Bye.